0: Hey guys, how's it going? Great me podcast. Yep, this is episode 16. Um, episode 16 is with local photographer and college lecturer Steve Smith. I had a really good chat with Steve. I felt like we could have been talking for hours, man. But it was a really great interview. I really appreciate Steve coming on um, the podcast as well. Definitely good people, and yeah, the podcast was recorded at um, Aberdeen College. And last time I was there was like 2007, so it's kind of nice, to kind of be back in the old horn in Aberdeen. So yeah, I really enjoyed the interview. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. I think Steve, you know, he's doing really great and interesting things, and he's had a very interesting and diverse kind of career in. living Liverpool and London and you know he's come back up to Aberdeen to kind of pay it forward and you know teach a younger generation you know new techniques and skills in photography so much props to him for doing that man so yeah hope you guys enjoy and I'll catch up with you on episode 17. Alright take care for now. Welcome to the Cape Me Podcast with your host, Ike Headlam. Yeah, um, got a little special one, We're actually from, recording from Aberdeen College, which is an old kind of haunt for myself, circa 2007, I think, no, 2000, yeah, 2007, I finished there. And no, we've got um local photographer and also college lecturer at the college, um, Steve Smith. Hey, yeah, how's it going? Right. Morning. 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 Yeah. Nor- North East Scotland. College. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. North East now. Anymore. Yeah. That's it. You was having a discussion about that, wasn't we? How the, the merger and how that kind of came about and stuff. And actually, could we give a shout out and a thanks to Elaine Cove? or well, I call her my informal book, booking agent. I think she'll <laughs> have a little laugh at that um, because, yeah, she's kind of, she mentioned your name. And a few, quite a few, have like, a lengthy list of local people. She said it would be great for you. That's great for me to interview. Brilliant. So, no, so thanks for coming on. And I think that introduction with Elaine was like via Facebook, and you sent me a link. It's like everything else lies, which, which is your, yeah, your website. Yeah, your website yeah. where you kind of document all your kind of work and stuff. And for the listeners, um, just if you could kind of let them know, where did your kind of creative path of, or where did, where did that interest of photography come from?
1: It started early, it started um, as early as school, so I think I worked at I mean, about 29 years of involvement in photography, but yeah. it, it comes from school, Okay. Um, you know I schooled in Aberdeen in terms mm-hmm. of Kate Brewster Primary School, yeah. Aberdeen Grammar, and then in fifth year of the school, so at age 17, going into the last year of school, going into sixth year, there were choices to be made, I'd done mm-hmm. my art and the, I got the chance of carrying on to six-year, and it was either do six-year studies, yeah. but my art teacher put me in touch with photography for a simple course, it was an introduction to photography, mm. so it was kind of an excuse to learn how to process film and walk around town doing very little, okay. and, uh, and you know, there was a, it was great, there was, yeah. no, there was kind of no teaching beyond, we'll show you how to process film, and, All right. and then you can do your own thing, so there was no kind of formal training, mm-hmm. But I started photography back then, and I suppose as a young kid, not really knowing what to do or what pathway to take, or never really having a plan, you kind of follow where your interests lie. Yeah. And I was encouraged by, by, by my folks, you know, to kind of say, well, look, you like photography, why don't you continue to do that, you know?
0: Oh, that's really cool, you know, because I guess what, what kind of year was this then, this happening?
1: But what's that, 80? When would that be? 80? Nine, okay. right. um, it was just really tough. I had a great time at school, and mm-hmm. a great fun. Good people around me uh, had a lot of laughs. but there was kind of little direction in terms of career choice.: Yeah, you know. I didn't necessarily put any, any faith in, in guidance tutors mm-hmm. at school who told me I should work in a shop. Um, and I applied six years, I applied for the course here. Uh, funnily enough, <coughs> the course that I teach on, uh, I got a letter back saying, in fact the first year I got an interview, um, but got a letter back saying there were 12 places, over 50 applicants and I was unsuccessful. Aye. The second year, I stayed on at school, applied again the following year uh, and I'd built up a little portfolio, I'd gone to an evening class in the uh, the old Rotherston campus down on Auburn Street, yeah. which is no longer there. Mm. I was disappointed the second year, I never got an interview, mm-hmm. even though I had a better portfolio. Yeah. Um, but I got the same letter sent out, oh you know, yeah. it was like a photocopy of the same letter, <laughs> to 12 spaces, 50 applicants. Yeah. So you're kind of lost as a kid knowing mm-hmm. what to do, but mm-hmm. that, I had that interest in creating things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the college were clever, they sidestepped me to capitalize on funding, I guess, and I did an advertising, marketing, and PR, mm-hmm. one year HNC, uh, during the time I was going out and and living life enjoying myself having right. a lot of fun mm-hmm. um navigated that and then maybe the careers advisor was right and then i uh, needed to make money to fund me having fun yeah so, <laughs> so i worked in a shop for yeah. a year and a half right after doing that you realize well this not obviously but i realized you know what that i need to be doing something more i need to have greater ambition than mm. folding jumpers although i think at the time i rated myself as one of the greatest jumper folders, (laughs) particularly working in signature and attitude, you know, it was a kind of signature especially, it was a quiet shop where Mm -hmm. the oil worker would come in and spend big money, it was a lot of time, a quiet time, Mm. you could refold the whole shop, (laughs) perfect sort of (laughs) synchronised harmony, you know, Um, and then pushed positively from my mother really, Mm. to kind of say, well look, you're doing this, you're enjoying yourself probably too much. In terms of nightlife, social life, um, why don't you think again about photography as a pathway because you should yeah. have an interest. Yeah. Um, she went to the library and got about 17 application forms for wow. different courses, yeah. but this time different courses around the UK. Okay. And my memory of it and the story that I've told from the talks and stuff is that I binned I think 16 of the 17 applications and filled out Liverpool mm. and sent it away. Um, fundamentally based on the fact that the love of the football team through mm-hmm. the late 70s, early 80s the music um, Cream nightclub, and I went down with a good pal of mine Leon, mm. and uh, his father gave us a lift down, we went to Cream, had a great night yeah. the next day I had the interview and I distinctly remember them asking me in the train home "Well, look, how did the interview go, because it was kind of secondary to the intention of going down to Liverpool <laughs> and there uh, I said well I got in right. he said what well, does that mean they said well it starts in two weeks time alright so you have to get yourself sorted <laughs> yeah, and, yeah yeah and that was it two weeks later I was kind of leaving Aberdeen and
0: I yeah. started that photographic journey yeah wow so it's just like um, when I've spoken to people who live in Aberdeen and they've kind of moved away and it's kind of like Oh, or oh, like London or another city but it's always kind of had that kind of internal bit of fear and very much like very much centered like homebirds kind of like mentality a bit of yeah. like Oh, I like that area but this is my home. But it seems like you was kinda of ready for that move or that push just to kind of go somewhere I, different.
1: I, I, I kinda of wish I had a a, a better, stronger uh, memory. I wish I could kind of reflectively yeah. review on my decision making process at the time. Okay. But I, I don't have that memory. Mm. I don't and so I can't kinda I can't review the what fear there must have been. You yeah. Know, I think it was what was that, nineteen twenty maybe? Right. So there must have been an apprehension, there must have been a fear of moving away, but to be perfectly honest, I can't basically remember that. Yeah. Um, I can't even reflect on my state of mind or the condition that I was in mentally mm. to move away. I think yeah. it's just a case of, well, there was an opportunity here, why not, you know, take it, take it on. Yeah, to something um,
0: different, and something, obviously, that you. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I was leaving it a, a kind of good, positive time uh, in my life because like I said I had great friends around me mm-hmm. we had a, a great kind of party scene yeah um, and had a lot of fun but in some sense maybe that was the the catalyst The
0: there yeah, was too much fun <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah well, my, my, certainly there was no focus on in terms of kind of future progression of mm-hmm. what you were going to do with your life yeah um, and there was the opportunity to go away and and I just well, I took it but I, I probably shouldn't underestimate the the fact my folks were positively encouraging me to do positive, make positive steps. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, I don't suppose at the time, at that age, you reflect too much on how much you know I've benefited from that, or how much kids benefit from that. You know. Oh, absolutely. You know, kids yeah. Your folks tend to be on your case. Yeah. But reflectively you look back and say well yeah I thank God they did you know And I'm, I am thankful very f- thankful that I started that journey and mm. I was pushed in that direction Cool, because cool. I have no idea whether they would still be alive <laughs> to this day <laughs> and, and there are friends of mine that were casualties of, of having too much fun yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, no I, I found myself very lucky to start that journey and cool. very thankful for it yeah
0: you know. so when you was down in Liverpool how long was you down in Liverpool for? Two years okay yeah two years right. it was uh,
1: uh, OND ordinary national diploma over two years, right. um, but you know so much so in terms of a lack of focus mm. or a lack of understanding. I think I thought I was going down to do an HND, or uh, you know I probably never really paid much attention to what the actual course was. Yeah, I, just, I knew the opportunity and, and settled. in. I absolutely adore Liverpool. Yeah, and and had a fantastic two years. so okay. that was kind of end of ninety one, maybe ninety two, mm-hmm. uh, for two years. And I just met a lot of great people um, and it was just, it was, it was a fantastic yeah. uh, development. You know, I still partied, I still, yeah, still had yeah. a lot of fun, yeah. but um, yeah, it, it grew my interest in photography and in some sense, it's when I first started to realise that not only did I enjoy the process, but I, I felt that I was good at it.
0: I guess as well, because like, Liverpool was a very kind of rich history.
1: Yeah yeah, there's, it, yeah, yeah, there's a rich history, yeah. rich cultural history. Yeah. There's a rich, dark history. Do you oh, know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. It's yeah, it was, it yeah. an old kind of capital, the UK, yeah. kind of probably built on the slave trade. Yeah, know, yeah, of, yeah. Um, you know, there's a dark history, mm-hmm. but it's a, you know, if you, if you were to compare the two cities, it's culturally, uh, socially diverse mm-hmm. in terms of the ethnography, in terms of the people. Um, it was brilliant, you know. I I met so many people from different cultures. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was an eye opener. Okay. It was, a, it was a, oh, such a positive yeah. two years, and the love of puddings, um that I surrounded myself with through the course uh, in particular mm. just took me in, embraced me yeah. as a as a jock, right. <laughs> uh, and looked after me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Oh.
0: So after Liverpool, where where did you go on to next? Was you back in Aberdeen, or did you kind of move just dot dot around a bit?
1: I came back. I think the the course itself um, was very supportive in looking for pathways yeah. where, you, where you could progress. So I remember we went on the minibus to Blackpool, um, Nottingham and Trent. Where else did we go? We went about four or five places to investigate if you wanted to go on to further education beyond the the O and D. So they encouraged you to think about your career path, and um, I came back after the course and worked in the clothes shop, but more of a, a way of sustaining some kind of income. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I signed on for a, a very short space of time, went back to work in the clothes shop, but during that time applied for uh, courses, and right. applied for Plymouth, Blackpool, and Cheltenham uh, to go on to degree level study. Right. Um, I suppose, that, you know, coming back to Aberdeen at the time, I probably had that same kind of lost perception of what I would do that I had when I was a kid, yeah. or when I was leaving school. There wasn't, a, certainly there wasn't an obvious photographic pathway, if that's where my interest lay, which it was, uh, there wouldn't have been a, an outlet that I would have been aware of that I could have capitalized on.
0: Yeah, I think I've spoken to people, like even just on the podcast, even just in socially about um, kind of like what, kind of the creative community looked like in Aberdeen in the 90s or like you know the early or late 80s early 90s and everyone said it was very much like the underground more or less like the music kind of bit you know it was more like the more like popping off more there's more stuff going around like happening around the music kind of stuff not the kind of visual bits you know
1: certainly in terms of in terms of youth culture in terms of if I was to reflect on when I saw the yeah the the, kind of the younger generation, or a section of the younger generation of Aberdeen getting together and being creative, being energetic, being original, being um, progressive. It would have been Mm -hmm. around the, the, I suppose, the acid house moving on to the rave scene. Yeah. Um, And that was exciting. You know, that was really exciting. It was really uh, energetic. Um, I guess that music scene was driven not necessarily primarily, but it was driven by also the drug scene. Okay. Um. But there was a sense of community. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a you know, you knew people that were part of that same uh, scene, and you knew that from the fashion. You knew it from where they worked. You knew. You yeah. Know, and it was identifiable. Right. But there was a kind of history, that kind of uh, subculture. You know, I grew up in. Well, I was born in 72 and I grew up at a time where, you know, you were an aspiring mod at the age of eight or nine, uh, the revivalist mod scene. There was yeah. a kind of, um, you know, there was there was a visual sense of kind of kinda fashion tribes. Mm. Um, so there was a revivalist mod, mm. you know, I grew up, I suppose, at the, the death of punk, you know, the oh end right, of the punk scene. Yeah. So, you know, that was that was something, you know, you'd see punks walking about Aberdeen, mm. the other record shop was in Union Street. Mm then the revivalist mod thing was something to aspire to as a young kid. Uh, in the talks I do, I, I talk through the kind of history of school. And at Katie Brewster Primary School, you know, you get 15, 20 scooters parked in the playground of oh the right, school, right. because the what's now called the Fair Sands mm-hmm. uh, kind of project, or was at least, we had portal cabins in the primary school for the unemployed youth of Woodside um, permanently would park up their scooters and have somewhere that they could they could function so oh yeah. you know you had the scooters, and you had the fashion, you had the, the graffiti within the port of cabins, mm-hmm. all they aspire to as an eight, nine year old, yeah. so it was a kind of visual culture, it was exciting. Yeah. And then there was Aberdeen through probably what, 16, 17 year old, you had the, the sort of casual movements, you had the clothes mm-hmm. of the sort of casuals and such like and you know you're an influential teenager who's aspiring to look towards who these groups are and where you fit in. Yeah. Um, and then the music scene, you my Manchester right. uh, scene, then the acid house scene, then the rave scene. Yeah. Um, but going back to the original question, there was probably <laughs> the most progressive, kind of uh, energetic, kind of creative scene, I, I think that I've been part of was around the music scene in Aberdeen yeah. in the, the early 90s. Right. Yeah.
0: Cool, cool. And I guess, like, now, I think, in comparison, you don't really see those... I guess you do kind of see those little kind of, um, kind of subculture kind of groups, and some people would say, like, the Neds or the Chavs, you know, the, all, all the tracksuits and stuff. And it's kind of funny, like, I'll say to, like, how... I think we just kind of spoke about that with Michael, how, like, you know, like, grime music and stuff now, kind of, all <laughs> like, that that kind of UK hip-hop kind of influences a bit of that, the look and the, you know, yeah, and yeah. stuff, you know, it's just, like... How things kind of do come full circle in a way, even though it's like generational. And I think some, I don't know, I'm always kind of curious to wonder if like the previous kind of like what the generations now, the younger generation, kind of would actually kind of reflect on that and say, oh yeah, there's been people like us kind of doing their own thing as well and having their own little subculture.
1: Yeah, I think I'm 46 this year. Yeah. The thing is, <laughs> you'd almost get a sense that what you were part of doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. And yeah. I think that's a kind of fallacy because yeah. I think if you're 17, 18 in Aberdeen, I think it does exist. Oh yeah. I just, I just think you can't engage with it as a 46 year old. guy. You're not part of <coughs> it, so you don't yeah. know where it's happening. Yeah. You don't know who's running things. Um, you know, I've taught here at the college for 10 years mm-hmm. and then a lot of young um, kids coming through as part of the kind of creative industries yeah. and photography. And I've got a son who's 17 this year and I pick up that yeah, that there, there, there are subcultures and there are movements happening in Aberdeen. And it's just the fact that you know we're kind of blind to it because of our, our generation.
0: Yeah, you kind of just kind of like you can have. A, I guess for you, it's just by association because you said you got a son. Yeah, it's just kind of like you kind of dip in and out of it. Yeah, the, the, you you know. Know, the,
1: there's still a, a, a big music scene in Aberdeen. Yeah, I just think the, the kind of structure around it doesn't necessarily exist, and that's maybe the feeling of if Aberdeen is a city yeah no, there yeah. aren't that many music venues right
0: they, oh no up. there's not there's not I think you know it's I guess like for what I've seen when I've been a student in Aberdeen you know when you kind of see more yeah but more of like noisings of things is actually like the freshest week and stuff like that I think when I was at uni there was probably a few places probably closed down but it was kind of like almost like it was like a big thing, the Freshers' Week, and you, you know. The union was big. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, the union, absolutely. Years ago, yeah,
1: um, and certainly the early 90s, phase three at the union, you know, there, there was a lot going on. The union, yeah. the student thing was good. Mm-hmm. But also, you could walk into town, and you knew you could catch a live band. You could walk into Drummonds any night. Yeah. You know, and certainly a weekend, there'd be something happening. Yeah. And, and I think there's things happened at that particular venue. Yeah there's a lot of venues closed down there's not a lot of opportunity I don't think to to sh- if you were a young creative in the music industry yeah. in Aberdeen you'd, you'd probably struggle yeah right?
0: yeah. I I think so I think the kind of like I've always kind of speak about as well like the kind of the social media thing it does help in some degree you know but it's just kind of like thinking of new and inventive ways to get your work out there and stuff like that I also kind of felt like um, I felt like you know with the whole kind of photography aspect I think It's kind of like I was kind of wanted to kind of speak to you about this because I was just thinking about some questions to ask or something like our kind of response to the world and things that are all all, all on that visual kind of level, isn't it? Like just like anything you see, like oh, like you know, the whole stuff like you know, unarmed people getting shot in America or like the stuff in Syria or like you know, this everything's on a visual kind of documentation. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think the thing that inspired me. Mm -hmm. Looking, looking back at it, I, I think I mentioned very briefly, yeah. when I, I started photography in Aberdeen, there was no teaching beyond teaching the practicalities of developing film and print. No. So there was no awareness of who photographers were, what was kind of seminal work mm. in terms of the history of photography. So it was fine, you, you had the practice of you could go and take pictures. Um, in moving to Liverpool, we had two great tutors, mm. uh, and Alan McCarran and David Brooks. And Alan, I think, introduced me to the work of Mary Ellen Mark. Mm. And I saw work that she did uh, called "What the English Are Doing About Heroin," that mm. she shot in nineteen seventy one, I think, Luke Magazine. And it was the first time I'd actually connected with photography, in the respect of a kind of historical figure, a kind of professional photographer. Mm. You know, you started your, almost like your study of photography. Yeah. But I saw work that actually absolutely related to um, me at that age. You photograph kids uh, in and around Mm -hmm. a kind of change of um, law around the prescription of Mm -hmm. heroin through clinics in England. Uh, But the kids looked like my mates, they looked like me. Um, And it was the first time photography really engaged and you wanted more of it. So from finding that work and looking and, and being Absolutely intrigued and having a kinship to the work, you then looked to other work that she did, and mm-hmm. then you found other practitioners that had been working, Larry Clark and a few others that. That really started my photographic journey started and started a kind of social engagement with it. Yeah, um, and that's where I suppose formal training and teaching um, was really important because mm-hmm. you could be guided in the direction that meant something to you yeah social media you, you touched on well can that do that you know that what's the reference point to guide you in the right direction to yeah. look at things and and find something that relates to you yeah because
0: i was thinking like
1: because um, we've got this kind of over saturation of visual information yeah absolutely how do you siphon out what's Relevant.
0: Yeah, because even even I'm probably guilty. This is actually the visual recording of the banal, mon- mundane. Yeah, it seems to be very popular now. I think especially from like that kind of that the social media, like the Instagram stuff. You know, especially coming from America, like the kind of the following of celebrities and what that actually is and fame and stuff, or just kind of like seeking attention and what kind of aim or what kind of end is that catching meeting. It, unless you're kind of like you know it
1: causes a lot of social anxiety and yeah yeah in our, in our youth yeah i think yeah. it's a lot of pressure and i think over the last number of years certainly within my my role within the, the college you've mm-hmm. seen a lot of kids really struggle with um identity yeah. issues of kind of self kind of presentation or yeah. presentation of self um so I, I don't necessarily think it's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, social media is great, and yeah. I, eng- I engage with it. And yeah. There's a lot of positives. But technology and social media, I think, uh, in terms of, let's say, celebrity, or looking at um, presentation of self, looking at aspiration, mm-hmm. I think it's got a lot, a lot of um, questions to answer in terms yeah. of the negative impact on youth.
0: Oh yeah, because I think like, you know, well, I was born in eighty one and I think like I like to think like my generation has a bit more a sense of self more than the next generation. They're very much the ones like you know, they are very much intapped they're tapped into social media. But it's also that there has also, it also does have that negative impact on, on themselves like the anxiety and the feelings of depression and stuff. But it's also kinda of like keeping up with the Joneses but actually you don't know who you're actually keeping up with. Like yeah. <laughs> you're competing with yourself or something. I
1: suppose in some sense we you know Already touched on the fact that these kind of identifiable uh, street tribes, maybe call them. I mentioned the kind of revivalist mods and the the the, the casuals and the rave scene. We still had that. Mm -hmm. We still had, you know, we still had uh, a kind of elder youth to to look up to and to, you know, to to inspire us. Or Mm -hmm. you still had that sense of wanting to belong Mm -hmm. uh, and, and fit in just didn't have it online, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, you know yeah I mean? we just yeah. had <laughs> the locale around you, yeah. That you could, um, the y- you know, the you could try and find your place, mm-hmm. you know. So, we still had that, but social media obviously opens it up
0: to a wider uh, aspect, isn't it? And globally, yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of a bombardment of like information. So, you mentioned like you know, when you um, you came back to Aberdeen briefly, then you went down to uh, Cheltenham. Cheltenham, and how long was you down in there for?
1: Cheltenham was for three years, that was a um. BA Honours, Professional Media, right. specialising in photography. So the first year we did um, graphic design, photography mm-hmm. and film and then you, you chose a specialist pathway yeah. and mine was always going to be photography and you we did that for three years. Right. And it was brilliant, Cheltenham was great as well. Yeah. Again, I say it was great probably based on the people and uh, the people that surrounded me, mm-hmm. the people that I studied with. Um, and had a lot of fun in Cheltenham, yeah it was great, absolutely great, and learned a lot, obviously, yeah. you were taking your um, your practice of photography to a different level and it, and you were maturing at mm-hmm. the same time, yeah mean. so um, it was really um a great experience, yeah, really good. you're also close to uh, larger creative industries, so you know we started off within the first year by by second year you were tapping into work experience opportunities. Um, You know, fate played a hand in meeting people who Mm -hmm. could open doors for you. Um, When I do the talks, I I remember meeting Phil Daniels at a charity football match, Phil Daniels of uh, Quadrifine. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And I photographed him, and um, also met Charlie Magray, the boxer. And at that one uh, meeting, uh, Charlie invited me to go down, meet him at the shop at Bethnal Green so I could photograph boxers at uh, the Lions Boys Club in Hoxton. Phil's wife Jan Stevens was the agent for ESP and ESP was a photographic agency in London that looked after maybe 10 photographers and stylists and hairdressers so that one kind of chance meeting I went down and worked with uh, Derek Santini and Phil Knott and very nervously um, went down to kind of work as a second assistant. Uh, Larry Dunstan, a great character, a great guy, was first assistant. So I remember walking into the studio and doing work experience, and it was Maxwell, the uh, soul singer. Oh, Maxwell,
0: yeah, the singer, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I remember his entourage lighting candles all the way up to (laughs) the studio, and um, a little bit of a kind of diva, uh, moment. Yeah,
0: it was like, kind of like, I can imagine it would be like, something like, a, a, like a Prince moment, no, kind it was of like thing. Like like
1: more like Mariah Kerry moment. Oh, England Jesus. Prince moment. <laughs> but I remember loading film and uh, and learning how to play that role. Yeah. But Cheltenham allowed that. It allowed yeah. the fact that you could spend some like 15 quid return on the National Express and go down to uh, the location of, of uh, exciting. Uh, well, just the larger world of creative industries, so Yeah. You know, so that was my first kind of involvement with with photography mm-hmm. uh, as kind of real life. You know, it was magazine work. Yeah. It was uh, Sunday Times, I think, where um, Joe was a stylist, I forget. Um, Joe Adam, the stylist. But well, that was good. I went down to London. I went down a lot photographing the boxers, mm-hmm. and that was good, a kind of independent little project. And then also in second year, um, I found out that you, well we needed to do uh, work experience as part of that unit, Yeah. and uh, I hadn't organized work experience. Myself and a guy, Kevin Vickers, had uh, managed to get our hands on some photography books, Mm -hmm. and when approached by the tutor, and given a hard time that I hadn't organized anything, I I used the excuse, look, I'm looking at it now, these are the books, (laughs) and they were American publications. Right. So the long and short of it, she she said, well, look, if you're looking at going abroad, you can get phone cards to contact people through the college. Mm. So I don't know if you remember the phone cards, were like credit cards. You, you, oh yeah yeah, 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 the phone box,
0: you put it in. You Absolutely. get you start from started from fivers, yeah, isn't like it? Yeah, phone credit card. Yeah.
1: Right? So you could get them, so you could phone home and you could do whatever. Mm. Well, I actually started phoning some of the numbers abroad. Right. And uh, Shona Valencia, a photographer, said to me, look, I can help you, but not a view than Cheltenham and I'm in New York. Yeah. If you want to come over, then yeah, but you could do, could do something. Right. So it started a, kind of uh, a journey where you say, well, you know what, if, if that's the case, how much would it cost? Mm-hmm. So you start looking into it. Never with the idea you'd go there, but how much would it cost? Right. where would I stay? Mm-hmm. Um, how would I travel from yeah. there to there? Yeah. And by the time I'd actually worked everything out, the tutor obviously saw that I was active and said, you know what, you could apply for the bursary. Aye. So I applied for the bursary through the college and got it. I got right. about five 600 quid. Yeah. Um, at a time when the banks were throwing money at you as well, I put the rest on an a overdraft. <laughs> and before you knew it, I'd, I went into work experience in New York off-going back right. uh, for 10 days. And as a kid, you know, we spent, I think, all our holidays almost up in Elgin in a kind of yeah. a, a Avis. Uh, my only experience of being abroad was swimming for Aberdeen um, as a kind of 11, 12 year old. Mm. So. Cheltenham allowed that kind of the availability that you could do things. Yeah. You know, if you organized yourself, and just had a bit of, uh, bit of balls about you, you mm-hmm. could do things. So I found myself in New York doing work experience. Right. And that was then the second year I worked with guys, Robert Whitman and Artie Beale and his assistants and um, met some artists and photographers. Mm-hmm. and And that was great. So between seeing how industry worked in New York and then also doing work experience in London, by moving into the third year in Cheltenham, you knew that was then your pathway, that was what you were gonna do. There was cool, cool. There, was, there wasn't that kind of that youthful naivety about, well, you know, what am I gonna do for the next 10 years? Yeah. You knew that, and I certainly I wrote a report coming back from New York for college, and that I identified that, yeah, this is what I want to do, mm-hmm. but I need to get organized. Yeah. To. So I had a little bit of drive about me then. Right. Um, and a bit of belief that, yeah. that I wanted to follow that pathway, You know
0: all right cool so it seems like even though you know like you said that was you 46 now Forty, yeah, so yeah it would have been in the 20s then right yeah sounds like a bit of an adventure though isn't it like the the <laughs> lad from Aberdeen to kind of this moving here there and everywhere and actually getting a placement in New York and even like you know I guess if someone kind of did that now the price would be extortionate they'd probably talk themselves out of it going to New York for you a know placement
1: what? I, I think these things are, are they're doable yeah I'd, I'd be trying to get 500 quid out there College here for a while to put in a bursary fund. Yeah. Because I benefited greatly from having money to go off and do work experience. And I'm still fighting that corner. And, yeah. And you know, we've, I've had positive talks with people from the college. We can yeah. put that in place. Yeah. Because it is an adventure. I haven't planned um, any of my life <laughs> up until now. And I don't imagine <laughs> that I'll plan much uh, other than, uh, you know, on a kind of day to day or week to week basis. I yeah. don't plan much probably in the future, yeah. I guess. Um, and it is an adventure. Yeah. But, you know, so it was a case I kid from Kitty Brewster, but yeah. didn't have the opportunity for to study here. Yeah. Probably because of my lifestyle, I was encouraged to look at other opportunities. Yeah. Went to Liverpool, that gave you the confidence that you were actually still enjoy photography. Mm-hmm. You apply because again you come back to Aberdeen, you don't really know what you're doing, so yeah. you apply to move on to further study. And then you meet great people, you start doing work experience, you realize eventually that photography is definitely something that you want to progress. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, there was a belief that um, at times you were making good kind of headway in it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, we had the first exhibition in, at the end of Liverpool, yeah. we had an exhibition in Southport, funded by Sefton Arts Council. Um, so that was the first time you saw pictures on the wall. Was, yeah. You know, up That was pre-Cheltenham. Mm-hmm. Coming back from New York at an exhibition with David Bowman and Jay Clark at the Axiom Gallery, such a kind of second kind of creative exhibition. Yeah. Did your work experience? Um, I won an award in Liverpool through BIPP, the British Institute of Professional Photography. Mm-hmm. So, and you started in Cheltenham. I started getting things publishing uh, right. published. Uh, I photographed a jazz club um, in Cheltenham and got out in the paper and um, on the success of coming back from New York, mm. there was a, a lecturer that didn't like me right. and, I, and I didn't particularly like him either. <laughs> um, I think that changed over the years. Yeah, It was more the fact I came from Liverpool and he was an Evertonian. Oh, right. um, but on the success of me coming back from New York, uh, I, I gave Prince to the principal of the, mm. the university and the college as a thank you for receiving the money. Yeah. So by doing that, I think it came from the top down that I was this kind of celebrated student off his own back. He'd gone to New York and he'd yeah. written up this report. So opportunity, and for right or wrong, I think for wrong really that you know I was identified as a success. So, so more other opportunities kind of came, yeah, to, yeah, came yeah. to you. Okay, so I started photographing. Or we got the opportunity to photograph the Cheltenham Jazz Festival, right. um, the Literature Festival. Mm. So you have opportunities, and and you know I, I played PlayStation with. Courtney Pine and DJ oh. Spoony and oh, yeah. played <laughs> yeah. FIFA with him and yeah. Mortal Kombat yeah. and um, you know we, between myself and and Jay Clark um, who's still a good friend Dave Bowman you know he's photographing the likes of Harold Pinter Barbara Cartland yeah. and so you were taking photography up to a level even at university for that was a serious kind of
0: yeah then you kind of realized, yeah, oh actually proper. yeah this is this is going somewhere yeah, now yeah, yeah, you know proper, yeah absolutely cool cool.
1: Um, so yeah, so that after Cheltenham, Cheltenham graduated in 97, right. um, I moved to London, mm. it was kind of a natural progression. Yeah. Um, at that particular time, the, the thought process of coming kind of back to Aberdeen wasn't necessarily, you know, I'd gone beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I came back for summer and for friends and family, yeah. I, I did that at every opportunity. But you were were on a pathway and you'd you'd had creative success within the medium that you were doing. Yeah. And and a lot of fun doing it. And you'd witnessed what life was like in a larger industry. So London was a natural progression. Um, I'd met an ex-partner of mine Mm. at the Cheltenham uh, Festival of Literature. She got a job in Sutton down in south of London. Yeah, yeah. So it facilitated us getting a flat in London and moving down and moved down Pretty much directly after university right. to um, East Dulwich. Right. Um, again, opportunity through that kind of uh, positively fateful meeting with um, Charlie Maguire and Phil Daniels. John mm. Stevens gave me a list of names, or one of our uh, agents at ESP gave me a list of names, uh, of studios to phone. So when I first moved to London, within the first week, I just I, f- I just phoned to see if I could get work. Yeah. And I got work within a week in the Aye. studios. Aye. Um You know, I, Click Studios was a, I think it was an eleven or twelve studio complex. Um, and <laughs> I, Yanis, a Greek manager, mm. uh, called me in for the interview. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, when I arrived, and I met another assistant, Phil Balsh, I was told or he had told a member of the staff show Steve and Phil around the studios and when you're finished get him to paint NS3 which is one of the studios so I was there and the only pair of kind of trousers and shirt that I had for (laughs) an interview and by the end of the day I was covered in paint (laughs) I went back to to my ex-partner she said well how'd you get on I said well they've asked me to come back tomorrow I think I've got a job so again I I don't know how much of that is uh, a reflection of (laughs) the kind of communication skills and all the kind of positive trait to try and encourage students to develop. Or whether it was just opportunity, you happen to be um, in front of me at the right place at the right Mm. time. A mix of both, I'm sure.
0: How long was you there at that studio for?
1: I was at Click for um, probably about a year and a half. Um, And that was exciting. Within that environment, um, I could rattle off names and lists of recognizable celebrities, famous people, actors, actresses. Yeah. Within that eleven studio complex you could have um, someone in one of the studios photographing ice cream, but mm. you, in, in fact if I think of real scenarios you could have Lennox Lewis in one studio, yeah. Gloria Hunniford in another. <laughs> um, somebody photographing ice cream in another, you could have Jurgen Teller photographing fashion upstairs. Um, so within that, you know, Elaine Constantine photographing Bewitched, the Irish band. Oh yeah, I remember them, yeah. Um, yeah. And you look back, it's great. I remember, in the Lane's case, um, I remember trying to get four Vespa scooters on their back end up in a lift up to NS4, and a right. sort of third floor. Um, Gary Oldman I asked for the part in his next film, which yeah. I then bottled and ran away. And <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> what film was that? Well, you know what I did? I, right. He was
1: getting photographed in one of the studios, yeah. and all day the door had been open, and you're kind of, shit, old got the I mean, yeah. right? yeah. like, you know what, he's, he's there, proper, hard, kind of gnarly, yeah. um, serious face. Mm. And it was intriguing. And then at the end of the day, I don't know what um, <laughs> motivated me, but at the end of the day, when he left, I ran down the stairs yeah. as they were in the lift, and I collared him at the front door at Street, right. and uh, and walked up and said, excuse me, um, I'd like to be in your next film. <laughs> <laughs> and he stood and stared me out for a bit, yeah. probably what was probably about 20 seconds, it right. seemed like about two or three minutes. Yeah, And I'm guessing you've never had Gary Oldman stare at you for about 30 <laughs> seconds, which seemed like two minutes. And a bit I, intense, I, yeah. I bottled it and said, right. you know what, it's great, actually just... <laughs> Yeah, I still to this day kind of wish that I'd maybe <laughs> stared him out, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, given the chance. But no, there was loads of things like that. And you met, um, you were just surrounded by um, an exciting uh, world that, uh, you felt part of an exciting world that you would only normally associate in and around watching TV yeah, or picking up a magazine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you were part of that. Right. You know, the company itself was uh, a nightmare right. in terms of they robbed Peter to pay Paul. Right. Um, Maybe that was part of the kind of uh, obscure charm of it. Yeah. You know, you'd have to run into one studio to ask to borrow tape mm. so that you could provide it to another studio. Right. But you were kind of, you know, you were firefighting.
0: Yeah. Um, Is that studio still around now, was it? No. Oh, okay. No, not all right. at all. all right. I think
1: for Corsham Studio, which was part of it, I mm. think it features within Boy George's autobiography. All right. Probably for all the wrong reasons because of the <laughs> characters involved. All right. Um, but I got the opportunity to. Um, work in a different studio, which was a, a single kind of youth studio. Yeah. Um, Perseverance Works, which still exists today and mm. is managed by JJ Locations, one of Click Studios' um, studios was above a singular studio owned by a photographer, Chris Dawes, right. and managed by another photographer, Robert Holmes. Um, but it was just a one studio complex, and it was slick. Yeah. Ever Everything worked light clockwork, they yeah. had petty cash, they had taxi accounts, they had stock of everything you needed mm-hmm. and um, the assistant team was leaving and Robert up, approached me, knew me from working upstairs and said, look, do you want to take on this job? And it made perfect sense, yeah. you know, you've worked with a, a well-managed company yeah. but also you would be the face of that studio, right? So anyone coming in the door knew you, you'd get to know uh, the assistants mm-hmm. of the photographers you get to know the photographers, and I guess the progression, that kind of linear progression is you would work in studios, you yeah. would then look for the assisting work, and then from assisting work, you would then try and become a photographer. Right. So moving to the courtyard studio, you were kind of front of house. Oh, okay. Um, from <coughs> that opportunity, you know, you know, that was a major kind of play in my progression. Right. Not only did you learn from Chris Dawes and Robert Holmes, um, and Robert I'm still in touch with mm-hmm. from time to time, but you learn from the photographers coming in. Yeah. We saw Bruce Weber coming in, we saw Horst Dykrist, uh, Anthony Edwin, there was a real mix of characters yeah. coming in. But you were decanting the equipment from cases, you were setting stuff up, you were asked to assist at times, you yeah. were building canvases, you mm-hmm. were painting things, you were, and through that opportunity I met uh, David Sims, which was a major kind of uh, progression and change in, in the, my pathway, photographic pathway. Okay. Uh, David's uh, and still is uh, a seminal figure in the change of fashion photography from uh, the kind of the, the glamour and grandiose glamour to, to what was called grunge or mm-hmm. chic. Um They were shooting a Jules Sander campaign in Jordan, and there were sandstorms. I didn't know these guys at this time, but they had to move quick back to London. Yeah. and they booked Persecuted Studios above to hold the clothes and do the hair and makeup, and they booked the Courtyard Studio to do mm-hmm. the shooting and I got introduced to Lee Broomfield, the assistant, and JB, the assistant, and David, and the team uh, to shoot a Joel Sander campaign. I'd never seen anything like it in my life Mm -hmm. in terms of the quality of the the work, the Polaroids, the the color that was used, and it just happened, again, opportunity um, was there in front of me. um, That Lee had been with David for seven years and was deciding to move on. Right. Uh, he presented someone to take on that role and david had, had made a kind of stand to that and said well look if you're leaving i'll decide david, who, <laughs> who, who gets role. the job yeah uh, i'd lent david a couple of guitar tablature right. books of the smiths i think it was the queen is dead and right. uh, smiths the smiths and we got on had a laugh with the yeah. Liverpool, dave's a Liverpool fan. Right. A, a connection there and i guess hopefully the communication skills were good they yeah. did a good job and painted and laid out lunch, got everything mm-hmm. he wanted done. So I got interviewed for that, and although I never knew him or his work at the time, everyone who did around me said, look, you have to take that job. Yeah. Um, so within a very short space of time, uh, I took that role, right. became the, the assistant, still worked with Lee, yeah. got trained up for that role. Right. But to go from a guy working within that kind of small local sort of I say local local to London in the yeah. in the creative industry to work in this smaller studio yeah. to all of a sudden work for somebody who's probably one of the um, you know one of the, the most influential players within a certain period of fashion yeah. and still is. It was a, it was a massive step up. I can imagine so yeah. You know, we yeah. worked on Calvin Klein and Burberry right. and um, you know worked I think I counted something like we were in New York Eighteen times in thirteen months, and <laughs> yeah. put me through my driving test. But when that when that happened, I remember um, arriving at the airport mm. for the first job. It was backstage in Paris for Ralph Simon show, right. and um, I remember Dave and Lee looking at me, thinking, what's he got?" And it, like, even my bag was made out of kind of shell suit material. Do you oh, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. I wasn't a seasoned traveller. Yeah. But, and uh, and I was ill equipped, probably yeah. to to do that role so Mm. they educated me on how to travel you know they bought bought me a bag that could you know that wouldn't break every single thing in there and they you know it was a major kind of growth in terms of my development and become a kind of an international traveler yeah you know and it was a it was a huge step up photographically in terms of the learning experience
0: it seems like London that kind of those years how many years was you down there for
1: eventually I think
0: either 11 or 12. So it sounds like it's definitely an experience, it seems like it's opened up loads of opportunities for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and obviously, you know, that's my journey, but I've I've witnessed it through the guys that I um, are still friends with from Cheltenham, you know, I I could as much tell their stories. Mm. You know, Jay Clark's still working in the industry, David Bowman I mentioned earlier, he was working on Star Wars for Spielberg films, right. recently as a three head sort of 3D compositor. Right. Um, you know, there's there's lots of uh, people that I was surrounded with uh, within Cheltenham.
0: That they all had kind of positive trajectories yeah, out there. Yeah, absolutely. Right.
1: You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure it's not 100% success yeah. rate in terms of staying within photography. Yeah. Staying within the creative industries would be you know, a large percentage. And, you know, if you think of London, again, if you work you can't really compare the two yeah. cities, but the the wealth of magazine titles into the hundreds, if not thousands, um, offer opportunities not just for photographers, but for stylists, for hairdressers, for stylist assistants, for location managers, yeah. pr- uh, production managers, location scouts. There's there's numerous. Um, and favorite roles that i think yeah definitely exist i
0: think like in the 90s i remember that, like there's this like especially with publications or like lad lads mags it seemed to be like yeah. <laughs> endless there's mags, publications yeah, and then yeah. that wasn't then that soon to stop running it seemed like a massive they turnover shot, they shot in the courtyard zoo
1: magazine like, nuts magazine yeah. And, um, so <laughs> yeah yeah it was you know it was a, I guess an exciting time you know yeah. you'd have to could speak to somebody within the magazine industry yeah. and tell you how that's changed. Yeah, um, and that's changed massively. Yeah, you know, obviously there aren't as many magazines. Magazines fold due to the, you know, due to the change onto yeah. <clears throat> online. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, it was a very, very vibrant, exciting um, time.
0: Yeah, it does seem like because obviously you down there, that kind of '90s period. I guess that like when people kind of remember that kind of the whole Brit pop kind of. There was the Spice Girls, Blur, Oasis, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of stuff was just kind of, like, blowing up. It was it was kind of like a, a big kind of, it seemed like a bit of that, like, it almost had felt like a bit of that like, kind of, like, 60s explosion coming into the 90s for me a bit before when I'm looking back on it. It's very much about, like, Britannia and all that kind of stuff and, like, Western in British kind of stuff. That's the kind of vibe I get from it like thinking about like, when I was at school. It was very much, everything was like the... Union Jack or something, you know. Yeah,
1: that's part of kind of Chris Smith and Tony Blair oh right. kind yeah. of, uh, <laughs> their kind of creative vision of what yeah. the creative industries was gonna be. Yeah. Certainly a huge investment on that on that kind of celebrate and celebration of of British creative yeah. um, culture through mm. film and music and yeah. such like yeah. you know. And then yeah, they, they, you know, there would have been a lot more exports during that time. Mm-hmm doing that investment yeah. which goes back to I think the 87 I think they, they set up the kind of creative industries task force yeah. and such like
0: so you had like ten eleven years in London and so what made yeah. you come back all the way back up to the North East, come back home
1: um, family really right. family um, again I you know my memory probably isn't as good and others around me could tell me how I was feeling at the time Yeah. Um, but there were several things. You know, don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd moved from David after three and a half years to be a photographer, and worked successfully in magazines and some advertising, uh, a lot of celebrity portraiture in the end. But the reality is, you're still chasing money. You're still yeah, you know yeah. you're, you're still waiting thirty days, ninety days to get paid. Mm-hmm. I had a flat, the mortgage. Uh, camera my son, was born, so he was born in two thousand and one. So photography was exciting. Yeah. But, you know, it was still. Uh, an interesting, exciting position to be in, but it was tough. It was hard work. Um, my mother wasn't particularly well at the Aye. time, bless her. Um, and my relationship with Carmen's mother wasn't particularly healthy, Aye. and good, um, but not unsalvageable. Yeah. I think if you put the well, I never regret putting family first. I yeah. would do that again. Yeah. But there was a kind of self-protective thing of you know what it, it's you know it, it's hard work. Yeah. But that wasn't the driving force, I think it was a case of, well, if you're to salvage keeping the family together, the opportunity exists to come up here. Yeah. I was up for, I think it must have been up for the summer, and I, I was having a pint the Old Kings Highway with a pal of mine, um, and we were just discussing things, and yeah. I remember saying at the time, look, if an if a opportunity came up in photography in Aberdeen, I'd probably take it. Yeah. And on the flight back the next day, for the handout, the free evening express yeah. or Press and Journal or whatever, I Saw that there was a job at the college, here, and uh, and I kind of thought, you know what, I think that's bloody fate. Yeah, it, uh, but I remember with no seriousness thinking, well, well you know, should I go for that? Mm. And I remember speaking to Cameron's uh, mother, and she said, Yeah, why not? Just, yeah, just do that. Yeah, and I think we touched on the fact I never had any plans previously, so I did, but it's kind of working, you know, yeah. I was working as a photographer, I was back into studio management, so I had a kind of regular wage, yeah, and um. Of course, one thing leads to another, that you apply for something, then you get the opportunity for an interview, so yeah. you think, shit, I've got to get this together. Right? <laughs> so you put stuff together for the interview, then you have the interview, and you go back to London, you're working. Yeah. And, but I remember sitting with Robert Holmes, uh, having an all-day breakfast on Halfney Road, when the call came in saying that you got the job, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, shit, what do I do now? Do you know what I mean? I would yeah. started this kind of ball rolling, Yeah. similar at the same mythology, start the ball rolling to go to New York for work mm. experience, or even move to Liverpool. You kind of start these things without any great intent. Yeah. But when the opportunity then presented itself, you've kind of got to make a decision and say, well, what am I going to do?
0: Yeah, so and how do I get that ball rolling now to actually get yeah. my stuff in order? And yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: and there wasn't any resistance right. from, um, from Cameron's mum. Um, and I don't suppose there was any great encouragement to me for uh-huh. that. But there wasn't any resistance yeah. and I guess in discussion as a family, close um, family with, with, with Julie, it was a case mm. of, yeah, well, let's put that in action. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And we moved back up, um, so that's been, a little, it'll be 11 years this November.
0: I think um, this about you kind of Me coming, come back, back, up, coming yeah. back up home, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I was still working prior to, um, I suppose, leaving London, I, I yeah. think Before before I moved back, uh, shot um advertising for Austin Reed mm-hmm. the red campaign. I think yeah. it was about a, a week before they moved back. Yeah. Um, and it was moved back, like I said, based primarily on, on reasons of family, either mm-hmm. keeping the family together or being closer to family up here. Um, and I, I don't regret it by any means. You know what I mean? I actually find myself in a really fortunate position that I enjoy what I do. Yeah. I'm very lucky. I yeah. teach photography, I'm still amongst uh, the industry that Mm -hmm. I belong to uh, in a professional capacity and that I started um, as many years as 29 years ago in Aberdeen I have a love for the city Um, it's been good to me Mm -hmm. and if we think of that uh, journey and and I think back to, to well if you'd asked the kid at Kitty Brewster or if you'd asked the kid at Aberdeen Grammar it, you know, would he have been happy with the outcome? Firstly, of achieving a full-time job, mm-hmm. decent salary, good holidays, and such like, within photography. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you add on top of that, well, in the meantime, we'll send you to New York, Morocco, Paris. You'll meet actors, actresses, mm-hmm. um, and more. Not because of their fame in terms of actors and such, but I suppose meet interesting people yeah. uh, and other creatives. Yeah. Will you have uh, the dear friends that you've got in, in Jay Clark and Ben Newton and John Gregson and mm. Stevie Pennells and other creatives that you had the good fortune to meet in Cheltenham um, and enjoy the time with the, the characters that I met in Liverpool? Mm. Absolutely, you yeah. know, add that to the mix on top of the fact that I'm still working in photography. Mm. Um, and also enjoying the, the role that I play here with yeah. the college, okay. do I mean? Enjoy the teacher role. Yeah. Um, you know, th- I could reflect back and say, well, the assistants that I had work uh, together with mm-hmm. me in photography have often gone on to do greater things within photography than than I did myself. Okay. So there's a part of me that thinks, well, may- maybe I was always a better teacher than I was a photographer. <laughs> do you know <laughs> oh, what I mean? Yeah. I think that's for students here and, to the, decide, and staff yeah. here to maybe judge me yeah. for that I'm doing a good job or not now, uh, but, you know. Um, I believe that I'm not doing too badly, yeah. I'm enthusiastic about it, I'm passionate about mm-hmm. it and, and it's a really, really simple formula to say, well, wait, if I was a kid, or I'm a kid from Aberdeen, from Katie Brewster, I'm not from a particularly privileged mm-hmm. background, uh, privileged in terms of the support from my family yeah. and, and friends, but if I can go off and have that adventure without planning anything, if I can go off and, um, and really uh, get my eyes open to the to the world. Uh, through photography, through uh, studying photography, through the support of the creatives that you meet along the way Then it can definitely happen then for it can happen yeah. for anyone else. Especially
0: in this day and age as well. well because like I was, I was kind of thinking back the way like you've done it, it actually like, you know, you mentioned like some people the younger wouldn't folks think this is insane. Like the phone boxes that you see that is, no one uses anymore. You actually that was the way of communicating a bit. Like, you know, like, you know, with people, like, you call someone and be like, oh, I'll be here at this time, and they're if they're, and they're there. Well, if they, they weren't there, the likes of weren't the, there.
1: Well, like. the thing is, the likes of the, that, that particular um, story was showing up yeah. when I actually got to New York, yeah. I phoned up, she wasn't there. Right. She wasn't there, they had assistance, well, actually, she's out of the country at the minute. Right. So the one person that had said they could help me when I yeah. arrived there wasn't right. actually in the city. Yeah. Um, so I just phoned the other numbers and kept on that, yeah. that journey, but... You know, there's a there's the misconception uh, by a lot of younger people mm-hmm. within the industry up here, particularly because there aren't the photographic opportunities around them, yeah. that the larger the industry is this kind of fictitious, mythical, unobtainable, unobtainable. Yeah. and you know what, it's not, it's people on the other end of an Instagram account or an mm. email yeah. or a phone call, yeah. and you know what, if they approach uh, in the right manner those mm. people and that communication lands on their desk or on their tablet, computer, on a good day when they're feeling fine, they've had their coffee. Yeah. If that person's not a threat and they're not posing that they want to take over the world or their yeah. job, <laughs> yeah. you know what? There, there's opportunities out there yeah. to, to engage. And you know what? It is a people-led, uh, collaborative uh, industry mm-hmm. that we're in. And there's a lot of good people. Yeah. You know, I, I benefited from uh, great help from people. As I mentioned uh, previously, if an opportunity uh, was presented in front of me, yeah. I, I had to be in the right frame of mind. I had to be, in, you know, I had to have the communication skills and the the confidence, I guess, in those skills yeah. to capitalize on the opportunities. Yeah, you know,
0: I think with your own work, um, what would you say the kind of like the kind of themes like that you kind of focusing on, or are you trying to draw out, or trying to engage people to kind of recognize with your own photography?
1: Um, it's changed really, right. you know, I, I worked in fashion and celebrity poetry, yeah. that was never my intention, that okay. was the opportunity to meet David, and um, you know, those opportunities allowed me to meet people, hmm. um, to give me a break as a photographer, so yeah. I worked with ID and Dazed and GQ and InStyle, but the initial contacts with Dazed and ID was through David, you mm-hmm. know, because he was working for those magazines, and you, Terry and Trish at ID, and, um, and Katie England and a few others. It, dazed and confused, but my my interests weren't ever particularly in fashion, yeah, so now it's completely different. you know if I think ten years or um, eleven years almost down the line, I can go back and celebrate just taking pictures. I can go back to almost the philosophy of the kid in six years at school who can kind of wander around with a camera yeah. and creatively engage with um, anything and and everything yeah um. You know, most recently, it's been kind of urban environment, urban incidentals, um, but everything, uh, (laughs) it goes back to that kind of sense of not planning, Um, everything from photographing hedges, Mm. which uh, brings some kind of hilarity from students at times that, I try to tell them, can get a lot of kind of, a lot of comedy at photographing hedges. A metaphor for kind of people's privacy and yeah. hide, hiding away from the world yeah they often kind of a, a visual um celebration of shape and line mm-hmm. and form and also a communicative tool to the viewer of how well one neighbor gets on with another neighbor <laughs> depending <laughs> how high it is oh, like. absolutely or how neatly cut it is yeah. or how sculptural and creative yeah. someone can be yeah so i was doing that i i, I photographed on a regular basis mm-hmm. i and I respond to things. My, my wife's uh, father sadly passed away okay. the last year, Yeah, and I found that the the planning of things is great, and I've started that, um, but as I said, it's not my history. Being yeah. responsive to, to things mm-hmm. uh, creatively can work and have success. Um, I photographed flowers that were basically coming at, to the end of their life, that had been gifted to, to my wife right. as a, a a sympathy gesture from a a dear friend. But prior to them getting thrown in the bin, they looked quite beautiful and Mm -hmm. they looked quite sad and they were the metaphor for that particular time. So I took them into the studio and I'd been watching stuff on um, the the art of still life, Mm. going back to Caravaggio's basket of fruit and such like. So I took this kind of creative research that I'd been looking at and then instinctively thought, no, I I need to photograph them before Mm. they go and acted on it. Took them in and mm. photographed them and produced work that I was really pleased with. Um, I photographed, I set up a little kind of worktop in my shed outside mm. and photographed weeds from the garden and toys that Maisie had left lying around, my daughter had left lying around in the right. garden. But they've recently uh, received kind of good cri- critique from a, uh, my first agent, right. okay. and said, I love those shed portraits. Yeah. So they were done on instinct. Yeah. Um, But in terms of the website, the website I've got running is a very small selection of work, which was really set up to help inform the students of um, who I am and what I do to gain a bit of trust that I'll I'll be in a position to help them. Yeah. Um, And I suppose to give space to, if there's work that I wish to show somewhere, even for my own um, kind of mental well-being, Mm -hmm. then there's somewhere that I can put them up, that I can see them in a different context. You know, um, so I'm not actively seeking work. Um, I have taken on a project, I think I mentioned to you when we first met, yeah. a, a creative writer, Ian Gross, mm-hmm. a great guy, ex helicopter pilot who's doing his uh, master's in creative writing. So, for a, a communication that talks about yeah. the, the lack of planning in my life, we have actually put in our first kind of planning document to do yeah. a collaborative. Ethnography, looking at uh, celebrating the different cultures and communities that share Aberdeen Indoor Market. Yeah. So we'll get a decision in about a month's time yeah. whether we've received funding to help support. that. Okay, cool. cool. So that's probably the first, <laughs> the first case of planning um, <laughs> successfully uh, a project. Yeah. Um, and exciting because it's in collaboration again, and it's yeah. it's self-driven. Um, I suppose going back to the original question, mm. I'm i more interested in um fine art photography, but always a, a sense of um reflecting on my identity and, yeah. and who I am. I, I don't think the photography's ever changed from that, whether it's whether it's been in the fashion world or whether it's been in the kind of urban incidentals, I don't think it's ever changed from mm. that. It's trying to get a sense of self, trying to get a sense of place. Um trying to understand why you are interested in certain things and mm. and also celebrating the kind of rich history that I've had and the no. kind of visual awareness I've had from, you know, whether it's kind of relying on sort of visual styling ideas that you were influenced by as a kid and bringing that into your fashion work, whether it's be, sort of being surrounded by menace rather than violence and trying to get an edge to the, a portrait and a model or... Um, or whether it 's just a bit celebrating the urban environment rather than you know, i 've got no real desire to photograph the rural environment because yeah. i don 't have a kinship with it, yeah you know yeah, I could stand in a high vista and look across a, a beautiful mountain range mm. and i 'm sure i'd be very at peace and uh, and enjoy that view but mm. i 've got no interest in photographing yeah. um, and i yeah just a, a product of my surroundings and um, and wanting to
0: kind of document that and kind of engage with it as well. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: you know, I think it is a case, and it could be certainly not a vanity thing. I think mm. it's a kind of um, <laughs> some kind of push towards an understanding of self. That's why, you, yeah. you know, I, t- I think that's what um, would encourage me, you know, self encouragement. Yeah. To to stay within photography, or at mm-hmm. least not even stay within photography, but to that, that's I get I get off on that. i yeah. get off often trying to work out um, a greater understanding of self and mm-hmm. those around me. Okay, and, and photography allows that. And it cool, is, it's great for that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And also, don't get me wrong, it allows me to look at the absurdity of other people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it's, 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 we, also can, we kind of spoke about that. At this like before we kind of recorded about the. How, as human beings, we are complex and interesting, Absolutely. weird people, aren't we? As you know, like yeah, but as yeah.
1: confident and as we are fragile, yeah, and um, yeah, you know what? Well, there's nothing queer as focused, I really, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and that's the, the beauty of the world in which we live, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> we all go through stages without getting too philosophical. Yeah. But we all go through stages in our life where we either are most successful in terms mm-hmm. of a presentation of self, where yeah. you're confident in terms of what you're presenting to the outside world and wh- how it will be received. Yeah. And other times when we're very frail and insecure, mm-hmm. um, bordering, paranoid about <laughs> how, how we fit into um, other people's yeah. lives, Yeah. which uh, surround us and affect us so much, you mm-hmm.
0: know? Yeah, definitely, no, like, you know, like, um, I think, you know, this kind of speaking of you, I think you like I'd love to kinda of like, I think we could sit here for hours like all like all the kind of like experiences and it seems like, you know, you've had a very kind of interesting and it's not like you've kind of accidentally walked into these things, but these things have been like natural transitions for you despite these kind of opportunities and actually the 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 work you've put in already, even like in London films, like, Oh well Steve, he's you know like, you know, he's a he's a sound guy. I think, I think like, you know
1: I think there's a, there's probably a lot Underneath that, yeah. in terms of, kind of, you know, in terms of the makeup yeah. of myself, that mm-hmm. uh, I may underestimate. In terms, you know, you get to a certain point, in certain stages yeah. of your life where you think, if you're doing a job, try and do it well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you know, I could oversell that and sound like a com- complete <laughs> anchor, but at the same time. <laughs> You know, whether I was laying a carpet in a studio in London with no carpet fitting experience, Mm. you know, you'd have the knowledge to say, look, well, I'm only doing it if you give me a decent Stanley blade. But you would take a pride in the job. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas um, I know other characters that wouldn't say, well, I'm not laying that. How do I I know about carpet fitting, right? So that's been a really poor example, but Mm. I think that same philosophy to try and do a decent job Yeah. you know that that had to be part of my makeup to allow the opportunities to present themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm sure as well. Yeah. Um, and I probably undersell that a little bit. Right. But I um, don't feel embarrassed by that either. Yeah. Um. But the opportunities, yeah, they 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 landed. There. There was that kind of balance between me um, working hard. Yeah. And also, I think the the early years in Aberdeen and the going back to the the exposure to mm. different types of characters in Aberdeen, to the music seeing my friends and family, yeah. Kitty Brewster, our school environment, again, simple things mm. probably underestimated. The fact that I was at Kitty Brewster school, I should have gone on to Powers Academy. Oh yeah. When my mother made a, a, a decision that I would follow my brother above me and go to the grammar. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, I probably don't think about that, but I'm sure that's got an impact. You know, young kid, vulnerable, sort of 12 yeah. years old, Leaving the mates that you've spent your greatest sort of time with, yeah, um, and you arrive and not knowing anyone, yeah, at a school age of twelve, and you've got to learn how to adapt, how to make friends, how yeah. to fit in. Yeah. So really simple things like that have probably had a big impact. So you can it a
0: bit of foresight from your mum then, and your parents a bit of, the, a bit of like, yeah, listen, yeah, she was a
1: driving force, and yeah. still is, you know, yeah. in our um, elder years. Yeah. Uh, She was a major driving force Mm. uh, to try and make positive, um, as any parent should do. Don't get me wrong. Try to make positive um, moves towards the the safe and successful development of our kids. And yeah, listen, I I can't underestimate that. Yeah, definitely. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with Powers Academy, and and friends of mine uh, went there, and they've developed to be beautiful human beings, just uh, like those that surround me. So. Mm. But she did that for what she believed to be positive reasons. I think it it worked in the sense that if something within me, the survival instinct, the communication, allowed Mm -hmm. me to make friends and not be this isolated kid in the corner who didn't know anyone, if it forced me to engage, to grow in terms of my communication skills, I think it'd be naive to say that those decisions, which could have been make or break in terms of a a fragile kind of age in your life, Mm turned out positive those decisions I'm sure have an impact that when you move to Liverpool for the first time you don't know anyone yeah you have to survive when yeah. you move to Cheltenham from Liverpool and you don't know anyone yeah you have to, then yeah. you have to adapt yeah. and survive and, and you know the skills that are embedded in you um, at an age where you don't have control of the decision making around you yeah they have got a major influence yeah um, definitely. so you know that moving around and that change and that taking on um opportunities yeah it's it's a product of uh, years yeah and years. yeah
0: but cool so where can people find you is it just a website everything else everything is lies yeah right.
1: um, Yeah. I'm easy to find okay Well I'm at the college full-time yeah uh, the website like I said holds a proportion of work yeah uh, everything is lies dot com yeah. and it's something that I, I pick up from time to time and put one or two images on um, but it's 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 not a historical archive of work. And right. it's, it doesn't showcase um, everything that you've
0: kind of been involved in.
1: Yeah, because there's key pieces of work. Yeah. I mentioned the flowers that are photographed. Yeah. There's key pieces of work that aren't on there. Yeah. Um, it's really just a case of it's nice to see your work in the context uh, out with your own your own screen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whether that be in print or in published form. Or mm-hmm. um, I've got some stuff out. I've got stuff. Um, got some images, I worked with Sally at Smart Arts and pulled in other photographic lecturers and some students, we've got work up at b Atrium Gallery right. um, just now and hopefully with the, the working with Ian Gros, the creative writer yeah. hopefully we'll have uh, exhibitions next year right. and we'll start cool. on the production of work this year right. um, but yeah, yeah I don't hide very well okay. because I'm full-time here but oh I right. apologize All
0: right. No, so I think you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully, hopefully that funding, you know, comes your way, yeah. And then we can you. have you and you know your um, friend on doing if you do that kind of collaborating yeah. projects on, on the podcast. Can actually that'd be a really cool interview, man. Just sure. to beat to you both about that that project. Yep. So I've got I saw a couple of sample pictures you took up in your office, and that that's really cool. So i would be very much interested to see how that kind of the, the yeah. how that kind of goes. You know,
1: there's there's loads. I I struggle. I think the good thing is with, it, with this particular project, yeah. and um, it, it allows uh, collaboration. It allows me the, to actually focus on one project. Cool. I am responsive, but also impulsive creatively. That. All right. Um, I move from making sort of rotation tables for three D photography mm-hmm. to two weeks later, I'll be. Putting up backdrops to, um, you know, embrace five four large format photography. And All right. A week later, I'll be photographing weeds in the garden. And yeah. So I, I find it difficult to, um, not in a negative way, but I find it difficult to follow on one path. I that kind of focus. Yeah. To yeah, yeah. Once you achieve a certain level of success yeah. within it, then it's very easy to say like, okay, I've kind of done that now. Onto the next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I think the collaborative work with Ian will force me to. Mm-hmm see something right through. Okay, and, cool. Uh, and that's quite exciting. Yeah,
0: you know? no, definitely looking forward to that. And, you know, thanks for coming on my the podcast. Pleasure. I really enjoyed no, that, that chat. Yeah, um, I think I think you're the first episode we had a toilet break. All <laughs> <Like, laughs> so. well, in
1: respect to my acti- activity last night, and <laughs> alcohol consumption. Um, so, yeah, thank cool. you for... Uh, and, and congratulations on what you're doing. Oh great no! Great cheers. Podcasting. Thank you. Know, thank you. I, much appreciated, man. I just like the fact, you know, it's my job to teach yeah. within the environment here. It's yeah. my job to try and encourage and get um, people in the creative industries. Yeah. And you're a fine example of somebody that's trying to big up. Yeah. Dean. B- yeah. Uh, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I dropped that in there. Yeah. The oh, cheers, Thanks. The roof. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, listen, you, you know, you're doing a great thing. Cheers, thank you. Thank and you. I hope it goes from strength to strength.
0: I hope so, too. I actually kind of think I'd, I'd like other people to do podcasts, you know, not just like me kind of bigging up the creative community, but other stuff, even if it is about the kind of creative community at different angles, because I think it is, kind of, it is a solitary job. Yeah, And you're thinking that if someone else can kind of take it up and you can actually have a creative community of podcasters and i being, I think that'd be amazing. I know. You, yeah, know, you, know, so. you selfish bastard. You're, yeah. keeping, you're keeping all of those <laughs> yeah. people to yourself. Yeah. So no, I think that's it. If, if someone can, you know, add something to the table, I think yeah. that'd be great. And I don't think there's any kind of like, you know, I don't have feelings or like competition with anyone. I think it's actually good. We can support each other. Yeah, collaboration. And yeah, and on. absolutely, definitely. But now, Steve Smith, thank you for thank coming you. on the podcast. And yeah, we'll catch up with you guys soon. And yeah, take care for now. Bye.
1: No